If you want to just go ahead and turn with me, we're going to be in Luke chapter um, 2, 22 through 35. Luke chapter 2, 22 through 35. Um, though it's, I'm not going to be reading the birth of Christ, I'm going to be looking at something that happened about 40 days after his birth. Um, and normally I would, I would preach on something of uh, Mary and Joseph and the manger and all of that. Uh, but I think this is one of the most amazing and most uh, magnificent stories of the birth of Christ that we find in the entire narrative of um, his birth. Uh, mainly because we are introduced to this man named Simeon that we know nothing about. We know not a thing about him other than the fact that he is found in Luke chapter 2. But really, to, before I read the scripture, before we stand and we read it together, I want to just kind of catch everyone up on where we're at right now and what we've looked at throughout these weeks. Uh, really, first and foremost, we saw that uh, Christ was the, the plan of salvation before the foundation of the world. That God, before He created anything, He had planned for Christ to be the Savior for those that would believe and trust in, and believe and trust in Him. There was no plan B through Z. That was plan A. There was nothing else that was going to redeem and save those that were trusted in Him. And then the week after that, we saw not only uh, we saw only three books, three chapters into the the whole scripture is the moment in which Adam and Eve fell. And when Adam and Eve fell, it was this darkest moment in human history because what it did was that it brought sin to all humanity, to all humankind. And then after that, we looked at Abraham and we look at this promise God made with Abraham. But not only did he make this promise with Abraham, but he tells Abraham, I will be the one that fulfills it for you. And we saw that Christ was that fulfillment. And then the week after that, we looked at King David, this mighty and powerful king and man of God, that, that he was exactly who he was because God had made him that way. But not only did God make him that way, but he told him that he would establish his kingdom forever and that kingdom would be established forever through Christ. And then last week we looked at the fact that Christ was promised to Mary and Joseph being the son of God born to the virgin. And then this morning what we're going to be looking at is the fulfillment of all of these promises. We're going to be looking at the birth of Jesus Christ, the birth of the Savior of the world, the birth of God himself. And if you would, let's stand and read Luke chapter 2, 22 through 35. Luke chapter 2, we'll start with 22. It says, And when the time had come for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male first opens the womb shall be holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what it is in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him that the Holy Spirit, that uh, through by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And then he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. 
And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of man in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from, uh, from many hearts may be revealed. That's God's word. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It is what we base our life off of. It is what we trust above all else. It is where we find our guidance and truth. And this morning, as we have read it as a congregation, God, I pray that it is exactly that to us, God, that we read it as infallible and true. We read it as your word to us. And God, be with me as I expand upon it and explain what exactly is going on. And God, be with us as we listen and hear your word, God. Because your word is exactly what you told uh, Mary through the man Simeon, that it is the sword that will cut through the spirit. And God, cut our hearts this morning. Reveal our sin. Reveal our need for you, Father. Let us trust in you if we don't believe in you. And let us maintain our trust in you if we do trust in you already. We love you. We praise you. We glorify you. God, thank you for sending your, your son to be born of the world. We praise you for that this morning. Your son's perfect in holy name. Amen. This morning as we look at Luke chapter 2, we're really going to see this, this picture of this man named Simeon. Uh, and this man named Simeon is uh, uh, an interesting guy, as we're going to see. But really, before I get into that, I want to just remind us what the purpose of this sermon series has been. What my goal is, as we've walked through all of these six different things, the, the five promises that we looked at, and then the birth of Christ that we're looking at this morning. The whole point in it all is for us to understand that the birth of Christ was not a random or sudden thing. It was something that was promised throughout all human history. And that God, throughout, his, throughout history, promised two men that He would bring one that would be born, that would be the deliverer of humanity. And in that, we see that in the moment of Christ's birth, the, the moment that we're celebrating this morning, this Sunday, right before Christmas, two days before exactly, this moment is what we're celebrating is the, the greatest moment that ever happened up until this point in human history because this was the moment in which God Himself stepped out of heaven and was born to the earth. Therefore, the salvation of the world had finally come. And so when we look at the story of, of Christ's birth, and as we look at this moment in that, I want to catch us up with what's going on because we've skipped over the birth of Christ. So what we're at so far in the historical context of Christ's birth is that Joseph and Mary have traveled to Bethlehem for this census. And then Christ was born and he was wrapped in swaddling cloths and he was laid in the manger. And then there was this period of time, what we're going to see in a moment, where Mary went through this cleansing. But on the eighth day, the baby would have been circumcised, and that's when they would have named him Jesus. That's when they would have called his name Jesus for the first time, because that was the custom of the day. And then in 33 days, starting with that eighth day, so on the 40th day, we see this is where we're at. This process of purification and presentation of the firstborn child. And this is where we're at in the, the, the breakdown of the birth of Christ. This is 40 days after he was born. And on this 40th day, we're, sure, we're going to see this amazing thing going on. And it's this idea of the purification of the mother and the presentation of the firstborn child. And so let's look at 22 through 24 again. 
It says, And when the time had come for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written of the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Okay, so what's going on here is, like I said, there's, there's, there's two things going on in this whole narrative. And it's the first thing is this purification of the mother, the purification of Mary. And to understand that, we need to look at Leviticus chapter 12, 1 through 4. And it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If a woman conceives and bears a male child, that she shall be unclean for seven days. As of the, the time of the menstruation, she shall be the unclean, and she shall be unclean seven days. Uh, and on the eighth day, the flesh of the foreskin shall be circumcised and then shall continue for 33 days in the blood of her purifying. She shall not touch anything holy nor come to the sanctuary until the day of her purifying are complete. Now, I know that's a very graphic thing that we see in the Levitical law, but it's this idea of this purification of the mother after the birth of a, the firstborn the, the, of a male. We see that it's different for the female children, but the, first, the birth of a male, this is the purification process. And it's not that she was unholy or unpure or anything like that, but there's this law in the Old Testament called the ceremonial law. And for them to enter the temple or enter the place of the Lord, they had to be ceremonial clean. Uh, and this was the process of that, that she had to go through this process before she could go to the temple. And why that's so significant is they couldn't present the firstborn son to the temple until the mother had went through this 40-day span. And so that's what we see is going on here is that this the Mary has went through this 40-day span of purification and they're presenting the firstborn son to the temple. And that's what we saw this at the last part of this. But to understand that, we see in Exodus 13, verse 2, it says, Concentrate to me all firstborn, whether it's the firstborn open of the womb among the people of Israel, both, male, uh, both man and beast is mine. That they had to concentrate their firstborn child to, uh, to, to the Lord. That they had to commit this individual or this animal to the Lord for the Lord's purpose. Uh, that's why we see that generally the firstborn animal would have been the sacrifices. But they, they do this. This is their practice of the Old Testament. This is the practice of the Jewish religion in the Old Testament is that they would, they, would, um, they would concentrate this firstborn son to the Lord. And Christ is no different than any other man. He goes through the same thing that every other man did, though he was God in the flesh. And that's a beautiful picture that Christ was the fulfillment of the law because he perfectly obeyed it, even to the point of his 40th day on this earth that he was concentrated to the Lord, even though he was the Lord himself. And so we see that the mother and, and the father take Jesus to this and to do this. And that is what's going on in this verse. That is what's going on in this section of Scripture. And then we are introduced to this man in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, wait, uh, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. 
that this man Simeon, this is the first time we know anything about him. He is never mentioned before this moment in Scripture. And so this is all we know about Simeon. It's really found in these two verses and then what he says about the Lord afterwards. But in these two verses, we see some things about Simeon. We see that he is a righteous and devout man. We see that it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would encounter the Christ, the Son of God, and that he was waiting for this. He was waiting for this consolation of Israel. This is, this is Simeon. He was this righteous and devout man of God. He was trusting, believing, and holding on to this promise of God. He was trusting and believing in that he would encounter the Christ, the Son of God. And he waited and waited for this. It says that he is of an old age later in the scripture. But we see this about Simeon, that, that he is this man that was waiting and trusting and believing in God to reveal the Son of God to him. Now, this isn't in the scripture, so I, I just I hope and I, I, I want to ask for some um, freedom to elaborate uh, possibly here is that Simeon went to the temple daily for this purpose. He was waiting, he was seeking, he was ready and praying that he would meet the Messiah any day. We're going to see this almost presented to us in the next part. But Simeon is seeking after God. He is waiting for the Messiah to come, to be revealed to him. This is something that, it's not something that he was promised to him and then he forgot all about it. This would have been something that he was holding on to each and every day, waking up, going to the temple, hoping to see the Messiah. And then day after day, as we don't know how long this promise was, but however long it was, we see that it was finally fulfilled in verse 27. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when his parents brought this child to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, and I'm going to read that part in just a moment. We see first and foremost, it's this encounter of Simeon with the Christ. That Simeon was this devout man of God that even to the point of that he was going to the temple to meet this Christ. He was taken up by the Spirit that he was trusting in God's Spirit even in this moment. That he goes into the temple and when, he, when the parents bring Christ to it and he takes him in his arms and he blesses God. Now we're going to look at what he blesses God, how he praises God in just a second. But it's significant that we see that this promise of God was fulfilled to Simeon. That, that it wasn't a promise that was empty or void. It was a promise that was fulfilled. And Simeon not only encountered and saw the Christ, saw the Son of God in the flesh, but he held Him. He held this infant in His hand, this Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Simeon held the promise of God. Not only the promise that was made to him, but the promise that was made to everyone we've looked at throughout this whole Advent season. He was promised before the foundation of the world to Abraham, to David, to, to Isaiah, to Mary, to Joseph, that Simeon was finally encountering and holding this child that was promised to him. And the why that is so significant for us is that when we listen to what was said to God by Simeon, I don't want us to hear it plain or simply. I don't want you to read it as something, just another word that is on the paper. But this is a glorious and joyous thing that Simeon is praising God for. He is glorifying God because this is what God had done. So let's pick up in verse 29. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation 
that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light of revelation to the Gentiles and to the glory of your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. We see that he really sees three, says three different things, and we see the uh, astonishment of Mary and Joseph. But let's understand, I, I think we have to understand this, is that Simeon is not just monotone speaking to God in this moment. He is praising and glorifying God for what God had done in his life, that he has encountered the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior of the world. He says, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. Simeon is saying, I can now die. My life is fulfilled. I have seen the Messiah. I have seen the Christ. I have met Him and been glorified by Him that I have seen the Messiah of the world. Now I can depart. Now you can take your servant home because my life is complete. And it says, why? Why is his life complete? Because my eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon is rejoicing and glorifying God because not only did God promise this to him, but he fulfilled his promise by seeing the salvation of the world. That Simeon is praising God in this moment, saying that I have seen the Christ, I have seen the Messiah, and now my life is complete because I have seen the one that will save the humanity, the one that will save the world, the man that will save those who believe in him. But not only is it the, the Jews, not only is it Israel, but it's all of the world, it's all of the Gentiles. We see that it says in all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, that this love had entered into the world, this salvation has entered into the world, not only for the Israel, not only for the people of God in this day and time, but for all who would believe and trust in Him. Simeon is rejoicing because the salvation of men and women, the salvation of of boys and girls, adults and children, the salvation of every gender and race and ethnicity, the, the salvation of everyone that has a terrible or perfect background, or not perfect, no one's perfect. The the salvation of anyone that would believe in him was held in his arms on this day. And Simeon is rejoicing. He is joyous at the fact that he has encountered the Christ. And this amazes Mary. This amazes uh, Joseph. They're surprised at what he says about him. Because this is the hope of the world that was wrapped in human flesh. And Mary and Joseph were just amazed at what was really said. And what's so amazing about that to me is they were shocked even though they have already heard it so many times before. They've been revealed to them by angels, but they had not yet understood what this baby boy meant. And it's amazing to them in this, and it should be amazing to us as well, that this man was so fulfilled in the moment that he encountered Christ that he was ready to be with his heavenly Father forever and forevermore. We're going to look at that in just a moment. But then we, when we read on and we look at 34 through 35, we see that he says one, he not only blesses the Lord as we just saw, but he blesses uh, Mary and Joseph by saying these words to Mary. It says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of Israel for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is a promise to Mary and Joseph one more time of what this baby boy was going to do, that he would, was the one appointed 
for the fall and the rising of Israel. We see this in the fact that when Christ was crucified on the cross, He broke down the temple. He broke down the veil that there was no need for the temple of God no more. He broke down Israel. He broke down this process of sacrificing animals. And that in doing this, He rose it again. And He's bringing a new commandment, a new uh, a new covenant of God to the people of God that if they just would simply believe and trust in him that they could be saved that Christ is breaking down the old law and bringing a new law in that would those that trust in him would be saved and that this is so powerful that look at the wording of it this isn't just something simple that Jesus knocks on the door gently and asks someone to come to him. This is where Jesus breaks down the door and he brings people to himself. This is a beautiful picture of God's will and desire in one's life. It says, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Talking to Mary that God is so powerful and in Christ, this sword, the sword of God, the word of God will pierce through her soul and she will believe in him also that she would believe and trust in her own son for her salvation. This is how God saves one. He not only he, 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 he pierces their hearts with their sword and He brings them to Himself. This is the glory of God made manifest. And this is what exactly He is saying to Mary and Joseph in this blessing, that your Son is the one that will save those who believe in Him, that His Word, His truth will pierce the soul of the lost and bring them to God. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture of the salvation that He offers. And when we look at all of this, I really want to focus on one thing, one simple thing this morning. And I know we've looked at it as we did the candles a few weeks ago, but it's this idea of joy. It's this idea that Simeon's joy was so profound that when he encountered the Christ, he praises God even to the point that he's saying, I am ready to die now. God, you can take your servant home because I have encountered the Messiah. I have encountered the Christ. Your promise is fulfilled. This joy was so profound that it should be something that sticks out to us so strongly because this is the same joy that we should have when we encountered the Messiah. That when we encountered Christ, when Christ came in and saved our soul and redeemed our soul, this is the joy that we have found. And for those that doesn't know this joy, this is the joy you can have. You know, I was thinking about it, and it, this wasn't something on my notes. This is something that was planned. But I was thinking about Simeon, and I was thinking about just this complete joy, this complete just a desire and understanding that God had did what He sent Simeon on this earth to do. And it really, this isn't the same picture here, but it's something that I think is so strong that the only time I really had a feeling this strong other than my salvation was when... And I didn't tell Sarah I was going to talk about this. And I've told many of you this before. I've said it from this stage before. But it's that moment that when me and Sarah were still serving uh, at Sansel and in Reform, I was a youth pastor there. And there was this, this, this uh, I knew I was supposed to be there, but only a few months in, we met this girl named Kaylee. And this girl, she, she, there was something about her. She was a sweet girl, very innocent girl. And I had the opportunity to lead her to Christ um, this day in November. I uh, did it over the phone because I wasn't, I wasn't ready to, to, to give up on her, that, to wait until the next day that I saw her. And in that moment, I, I, she prayed and she accepted Christ. God called her to herself. She repented and trusted in Him for her salvation. 
And not only did she trust in Him for her salvation, but even just this next little bit of time after the salvation, she began to desire something greater. She desired a relationship and to grow in her faith. She was asking about Scripture, about different things that could help her in her life. And in that moment, this terrible thing happened, and I'll never forget it. Never in my life will I forget this moment. It was the day after the Iron Bowl game when Alabama lost with two seconds left. Me and Sarah were doing a party for the youth. We get home, and we find out that Kaylee had passed in a car wreck. And it was a terrible thing. Horrific. Her, her mother, her sister. It was sad. It was difficult. It still is. Every year when Alabama plays Auburn, it goes through my mind. But this was the moment that I reflect back on to 10 days before that. That was on the other line of a phone where she accepted this Christ. And and she believed in Him so much that she was ready to live differently. She had not yet been baptized because she had not yet been able to be at the church. But she believed and trusted in Christ. See, she had that joy. And the reason why I bring this story up is because there's never been a moment in my life that I felt so content with what God placed me in the place for was that I, after it happened, I was ready and I realized that this was what I was here for. And to this day, I promise you that that is why I went to Stansel Baptist Church. Because not only that, but it was only a month later, me and Sarah was talking, we felt the peace of God to leave then. Two months later, I got the, uh, somebody told me about Lighthouse Hiring. I put in for it, and then a few months later, that's when I came and become the pastor here. I was sent to that church so that God could save her. Not that I did anything, but God did it all. And this was the joy that she found. This same joy that Simeon is talking about in this verse, that he was so ready to, to encounter his heavenly Father because he had already encountered the Son of God on the earth. That's the joy that we find in the birth of our Lord and Savior. That's the joy that we find when we encounter Him for the first time. And that is the joy that we are so quickly to let go of in this life. And so when we look at the story of Simeon encountering this infant, my hope and my prayer is that we have that joy of salvation that Christ provides. That though we were, though that God had created a perfect and, and holy world, and because He is perfect and holy and righteous, and because that, that He created this world, He placed man in it, and man was sinned and rejected and turned against Him, and because of that they were separated from Him. And even though that was the case, that before they even sinned, He had already planned for Christ to be their Savior. And so when the fulfillment of that time comes, we see the birth of a child... That in every, every respect fulfilled the law of God. He was perfect. He was holy. He fulfilled it all. Even to the point that He died on the cross so that those that believed and trusted in Him can be saved of their own sins. So He died a death that we deserve so that we could have His righteousness. And that we could believe and trust in Him by simply repenting of our sins and repenting of the ways that that we have tried to save ourselves and trusting in ourselves. But in that, we even see something so beautiful is that this is where the joy is found. The joy is found is when we encounter Christ for the first time and He redeems and saves our soul through His work on the cross. The joy that Simeon faced when he looked into the eyes of an infant boy. So this morning as we look at the application, it's very, very simple. 
I want to look at this idea of true joy. Have you truly come, and has this joy truly come into your life? Have you truly accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and entrusting and believing and holding onto Him and finding joy above all else in this life? Is that where you are? Have you truly received and believed in Him? And now you have the joy that no matter what happens in this life, no matter what happens in this world, just like Simeon was ready to be with his Father in heaven forever and forevermore, that we can have that same joy? Well, maybe you're here and you have come to Christ in salvation. Maybe you truly received that joy. You can think back with just an awe of the moment in which God saved you. Maybe you need to be this renewed joy in your life. That you needed to be reminded of the joy that is found in the Messiah. That you need to renew your spirit with God this time, this day. Or maybe you struggle with this idea of eternal joy. Not not in the fact that we're saved for an eternity alone, but Simeon believed and trusted in God so much that when he encountered the Messiah, he was ready to depart from this earth. That it didn't matter what anything else happened in his life, he was ready to meet his maker forever and forevermore. Maybe you don't have that much of joy in Christ. Maybe you hold on to this world a little too much. My prayer is that each and every one of us can say the words of Paul in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain. That no matter when we leave this earth, we will meet our Maker forever and forevermore, and we will joyously encounter that day. That's my prayer for us. Well, maybe you need to let your joy translate to the work of Christ in your life. Maybe you need to recommit to this outworking of the Spirit of God, allowing God's Spirit to lead and guide you to, to share the gospel with those around you. To share the hope of God, the joy of God, the birth of Christ to the world around you because He is the only one that can save. This morning as we look at the life of Simeon, we see that when he encountered the Christ, nothing else mattered. When he encountered Christ, it was the most joyous moment of his life. So much so that he was willing to let his life go in that moment. This morning, my question is this, and it's simple, is have you trusted and believed in Christ and received that joy? Have you come to the realization that Christ is the one that saves your soul from everything that you've done in this world that is against God? If so, have you trusted in that joy so much so that you're ready to meet your maker today? That you're, you, you, you're believing and trusting and, and, and hoping on Him so much so that it doesn't matter of anything else going on in this world that you know that any second in heaven is greater than any billion years on this earth. This morning, as Sarah comes, I'll be here if anyone wants to discuss anything, but we see in Simeon's life is this great, great, great joy in encountering the Messiah. My simple prayer is that all of us have that same joy this morning. Because that is what we celebrate when we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate the joy that has entered into the earth that brings salvation to those that trust and believe in Him. And that is where our joy lies.